welcome to the STR Data Lab. Well, hello there, beautiful hosts, investors, real estate aficionados, folks that care about data, anyone, probably my mom and dad listening, um, Jamie Lane. All right, I'm done. I'm done. But I'm just saying hello to all of my fabulous listeners out there for the STR Data Lab. I've got, per the usual, I have a treat for you today. I sat down with this fabulous woman, Caroline Bonn. She's French, so I think I'm saying that properly, French-Canadian. She is the host of That Realtor Investor Show. She's all over social media. She is a SoCal girl by way of French Canada and has just a really tremendously a good amount of advice for you on how to invest, where to invest. She's had an amazing journey in Joshua Tree. I think a lot of you will find it super interesting. I also just on a, on a personal note, loved her powerful message to all of us working women out there. And yeah, I just, again, I thought, I don't need to, I, I'm going to say less instead of more. Please enjoy this next episode of the SDR Data Lab with Caroline Bohm. Hello, hello, Caroline Bohm. I think I said that right. I took French for four years and I still don't know how to pronounce anything. You did it perfectly. Oh, finally. Thank you. That's what I've always asked my French teacher to tell me, but sadly that never happened. Well, the Realtor Investor Show host, my goodness, it's so wonderful. I know we've been planning to hang out for a while now, so it's great to finally have you on the podcast. How are things? How are things in sunny SoCal? You've been, how long have you been in SoCal, my friend? So thank you so much for having me. I've been here for seven years now. That counts as a native, right? Like you're officially a native. <laughs> I I don't I don't believe so, no. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Well, tell me, how did you come to SoCal? So you're from French Canada, Canada, Canada as they call it, Canada. How did you get to SoCal? So it's a crazy adventure. I actually uh, first came to Miami, then I moved to Kentucky for a couple of months, followed by California. And this is just my home now. I just felt like I belonged here. I love it out here. Oh my goodness. Well, I yeah, that is kind of like a windy path. But what I like about that is that you you sampled a lot of what America has to offer, right? You're like, what's happening down in the Southeast? What's happening in the South? Okay, I think I should be in the West. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you you got it. Well, you are obviously a, a fabulous real, real estate um, agent, realtor. I would love to know, again, like, I'm just going to, just to get your origin story, how did you end up in real estate? Sounds like you are, you've been on some crazy adventures in your life. It was a leap of faith. I've always loved working with customer, the, the, the client, the service you give to clients. And I've, I personally always loved sales. So I said, I, my background is actually uh, political science and business in university. Oh, cool. But, yeah, I just took my license and I took a leap of faith. At the time, my my son was was barely a year old, so I thought, well, I'll have a lot of flexibility with my schedule, and I started scaling up just a few years into it, and it just turned into beautiful short term rentals. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I mean, I think so many people that I talk to in this business, a lot of it is about sort of getting your time back, right? Finding a job and a profession 
that allows you the freedom to, you know, take care of your family, like you were saying, and to be able to sort of, you know, hopefully build some wealth. So that's great. So, well, how old is your son now? My son is eight now. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. So yeah, he's, he's been, he's hopefully had the benefit of having you around a little more. Oh yeah. Yeah. Plenty. You know, I, I get to pick him up, drop him off from school, help him do his homework go to his sports, you know, I'm there through everything because this, to me, this is my dream job. Oh my gosh. I love it. I love it. Well, so tell me how, so you got into real estate, were you doing, um, obviously just sort of like selling, you know, homes, forever homes for people, or did you start in short-term rentals? How did you get into short-term rentals? No. So I was just helping either first-time home buyers get into homes or homeowners sell their properties, just the regular standard sales. And then I started traveling and staying at Airbnbs and I got curious, to be honest. And then I started researching a market that it could potentially start on. And it all started pretty much from going on vacation. Oh, I love It's so funny that you say that because We've seen that on our end um, at AirDNA where, yes, there seems to be like if, whenever there's like a surge in travel, like in demand to certain town, like places, we also start to see a surge in demand for our products. So I do think that there's a strong correlation between people going on vacation and sitting in an Airbnb and going, oh, I think I could do this. Oh, this is interesting. Maybe I should try this out. <laughs> And are all of your properties in California or have you sort of diversified? Yeah. So right now uh, they're all in the California desert, but I have maxed out on the amount of permits I can have. So now I'm going to be, I'm actually currently actively researching uh, the next property, the next pretty much environment, because I always strive to offer an experience. Like right now it's in the desert. My properties are all secluded, uh, neighbors are far apart, you know, it's giving that, that desert feel peace and calm and quiet with different amenities. But now I'm growing towards the next experience I would love to give my guests. Oh my gosh. I love this. Well, I think that there's certainly a lot of, um, benefit to having that being in a certain area where you can offer sort of a consistent experience. You know, we talk a lot about like, when you're, when you're competing with things like hotels that have standard sort of operating procedures and standardization, what's nice about focusing on one market, I would assume, is that you are able to, again, like kind of create a vibe, create a brand, a look and feel. You can standardize that across all your properties. That's so cool. So how are things in the desert these days? I feel like that's one of those markets that was like super popular. And now it's just been interesting to kind of watch its evolution. How have you looked at that? So honestly, I am grateful for the pandemic because of everything it's giving to the California desert for short-term rental and the host. Because during the pandemic, a lot of people canceled their international trips, but they still wanted to get out of the city, get out of that stress, get out of the house, right? Their property, you know, it was uh, kind of a dark, stressful time. Yeah, I was ready to get out of my house. I tell you what. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Me too. <laughs> and a lot of people uh, went to the desert. And, you know, the power of social media now, people sharing online their experience in the desert, going to the Joshua Tree National Park. And right. since then, Joshua Tree has 
completely transformed. And believe it or not, we get about 3 million visitors to the park every year and it's constantly growing. So this is really where it started. That's crazy. Yeah, I didn't know it was that many folks, but I do. I think you bring up a really good point, which is that the pandemic put, I'd say, a lot of destinations sort of on the map, right? That had sort of previously been sort of let's call them sleeper mark, you know, destinations um, where folks weren't potentially um, so interested in it. Well, and then I think what's what's interesting. I'd love to know if this has been your experience, and then I want to talk more about where you're thinking about going next because we've got a we've got a tool or two to help you with that. Now, I think you know, what's always interesting for us and something that we spend a lot of time talking about is supply and demand, right? So demand being so high for Joshua Tree, you know, lots of folks jumping on that bandwagon. Have you seen that impact things like your occupancy rates for your particular properties or how how is it sort of changing now in 2023? So interesting enough, uh, I the first property that I got for short-term rental it's a small house. It's it it's just for couples that are trying to get away. And like I said, I'm offering this desert experience, very right. unique. My property is on dirt roads. Like it's nothing. No one has a similar product. But because it's such a small property and it it's to host for couples, you know, 2022, I ended up uh, with 89% occupancy for the year. Wow. Wow. And so what I did, because 89% is produces a lot of revenue, we're not going to sugarcoat it, right? So I turned around and I said, you know what? This experience works great. So let me scale. So I went to my next property, which is slightly bigger. It's either for a family or two couples, but pretty much I just repeated the same product, but on a bigger property and a different property, obviously. And uh, so far, uh, this one is at 60%, which to me, once I do my numbers, my mortgage, my utilities, all of that, as long as I have at least 12 days that are occupied, then after that, it's just cash flow. Oh, that's very cool. Well, I lo- I'd love to talk more about how you build that like model, right? So it's, it was great. What I'm hearing you say is that like, even though you had achieved like this, you know, probably like, I mean, based on general averages, right? An insane amount of occupancy on your first property, you knew that you couldn't expect that on the next one, right? And so so talk to me through how sort of like you modeled that revenue plan. How did you know exactly how much you could spend and how you were thinking about sort of that investment versus, you know, the revenue coming from it? So as as an individual and being a realtor myself, I know that ultimately in order to scale, to buy more properties, I'll constantly have to keep my debts at a minimum. So right. purchasing the first property, I was about just my debt to income ratio was about 23%, which still left me a big margin to scale again. Right. That, that's my vision. I mean, that's just how I, I do my numbers, right? So it wasn't difficult for me to get pre-approved for another property. And for what I was looking for, you know, a lot of people have this misconception. They think everything in California is extremely expensive, which, and that's what I love about the Joshua Tree market is that you can get in a property, a good home for relatively very cheap and still make good revenue, get good occupancy rate. And it's easy for you to 
just do it again and again and again. And then obviously you have to talk with your mortgage broker, your CPA. And again, I have very little to no debts. Like even just a car payment hurts you when you're looking for to to scale up like that. So there's just things that I'm aware of, and I have prepared myself several years to get to this level. So it's all information. Like I said, talking with the expert, with my broker, I work closely with my broker and my CPA to allow me to, to keep on doing this. Oh, I love all that. There's so much, so many good nuggets there. I think one of the ones that you just said was really, really important, right? Which is that you spent time getting to this point, right? You did, didn't happen overnight. You were very, it sounds like you were very responsible about your investment strategy, your debt to debt to investments, um, you know, uh, perspective there and the 23%. For dummies like me, what does that mean? What is a debt? What is a debt to you know investment ratio? How do we calculate that? So when you're going on a traditional route, which is going with a conventional loan, anytime you purchase real estate, going the traditional route, they will always look at your income, your debt to income ratio, meaning the amount of debt that you have versus your income. Now, generally speaking the bank won't allow you to borrow higher than 45% of your monthly gross income towards a right. mortgage. They Got it. typically limit at that. You could go higher if you want to. I think I've seen clients do like 55%. You don't have to, but general rule is 45% of your total income. And then they consider if you have any debts added to that. And your debts could be your credit card payments, uh, your car loan. It could be child support, you know, any mortgage that you might have already. So you always want to go to the lowest that you can. Typically, first-time home buyers that are going to be living in their primary home, they go up to 45% of their income, typically, in my market area. Doesn't mean you, you have to, but right. a lot of people do that. To get into their first home, they're going from renting to owning. I love that. That's so, well. Yes. Now you're you're. I'm remembering all of those. Yes, all those questions you ask, and then my husband's like, "Hey, don't take out any more loans, or don't open a credit card right now. Whenever we're buying a new property, I get it. I get it. All right. Well, that was very helpful. Thank you. And then the other thing that you talked about is getting the right resources right in place. So you know, having a close relationship with your broker having a close relationship for, to your CPA so that you can sort of understand is now a right time to assume more debt, right, by purchasing a new property. And then I know I know you do use AirDNA a little bit for this as well, but you are then, I'm guessing, doing a pretty robust calculation. I'm envisioning an Excel document here um, where you're looking at, again, here's my down payment, here's my all-in cost, you know, to set up my property. Um, and here's, you know, what I think is a reasonable um, amount of occupancy that I think I can acquire. I love this. Like, so, so really the, the rule of thumb for you is this 12 day marker. It sounds like, can I, can I have it occupied for 12 days? I'm assuming at like a certain rate and that's sort of how you're, and then everything else on top is gravy. Is that how you're sort of thinking about it? Well, so that's, that's how, yeah, that's pretty much how I break down my numbers. Because you see, just in the Joshua Tree market area, if you look on AirDNA, they will tell you average occupancy rate is 61%. So for me, I always want to do the extreme numbers. If yeah. I only have 12 bookings this month or 
the way I do it is this is my mortgage payment. These are the utilities expenses associated with the property. So this is the total. Right. How many bookings would I need with the current daily rate that I can get on my property to cover all of this? Perfect. And yes, above all of that, then that's where I step into from, okay, the house is paying for itself versus, okay, now we're, we're making this, this amount of cash flow. And, and you always want to play it safe. I came into short-term rentals to, to make money, right? right. Yes, right. I'm offering a good experience. I want that five-star review. I want to give this five-star experience to my guests. I truly care. I love being a host. But at, this is a small business. Uh, I'm not into the business of as long as the property pays for itself, I'm okay because it's a right. tax break. I, I'm going into the needy greedy of things. I love that. Yeah, that's a really good point. You're right. Cause like a lot of folks are, of course, you know, hopefully just cover trying to just cover their mortgage, but you're really thinking about this as a business. You want to make sure again that you're there you're profitable and you're getting a cash on cash return, presumably, so you can invest somewhere else. Well, let's talk, let's talk about that. That process. I think you're not the only one that I've talked to that's sitting in a California market right now saying, okay, I think I've sort of maximized what I can get out of that market. I would love to know what are some, what's on your short list? What are some places that you've been investigating? So currently investigating Yosemite because again, looking at the numbers, I can still get a decent home at a great price and still have an amazing uh, daily rate with a percentage right. of occupancy. And in my opinion, whether there's a pandemic, there's a recession, whether there's an e economic downturn, people are always going to take drives to go either enjoy nature, national parks, or go enjoy these regional areas. Oh, I love and that. And that's one of the strategies that I want to stay put with because I know it works. Like I said, you know, Joshua Tree boom from the pandemic, from the lockdown. And I know for a fact, if we're going to into a recession, I know that it's going to boom again. So that's why I'm holding on tight. So uh, Yosemite is definitely somewhere I'm looking into. I'm starting to look into uh, the Smoky Mountains Ooh. because I know that it's... In high demand, I know other hosts that are doing great out there and the data is looking amazing as well. So I think, yeah, I think I'm just like a national park type of host. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I like that because I think like what's interesting, right, is that you can probably take a lot of your learnings from being in a national park and sort of, again, like you're finding a niche, right, for your business and I also love this insight that you have around like there's always going to be, you know, a broad swath of, of folks and demand for destinations like that. Right. And, and again, I like the idea of like, right, like people maybe during a recession or a pandemic, for instance, maybe wouldn't be flying everywhere that but they would be able to drive. Right. So places that are easily drivable, there's a draw to it. You know, we talk a lot about like, yeah, what are the what are the drivers for demand in the market that you're investigating and, you know, how recession proof, how pandemic proof, you know, how just like life proof are they for <laughs> stability? 
And then again, like sort of like looking at the numbers, right, and making sure that, you know, it, it, there's, you know, validating some of your hunches that it's a great place to be by looking at things like occupancy and ADRs. And yeah, you're the national park lady. I like it. I like it. How much are how much are you focusing today on sort of like building that brand? How are you thinking about it in terms of where you're listing and like sort of how you're building up potentially your own database of, of guests that have stayed with you before? That's a very interesting question, to be honest. I, again, a lot of beautiful things happened in my life during the pandemic. And I'm very grateful that it happened because I was able to grow my business, grow my brand, start a few businesses. Uh, and I have focused a lot on social media. And interesting enough, because I know how to run my, my main business, which is being a real estate agent on social media, I'm able to reproduce it for my properties. So my properties have a social media account. Love that. And so a lot of people, it has happened where people follow me for my real estate tips and then they go to my properties and then they end up booking there. And then, oh, now they see another property. So the booking follows, right? And then also because I have a smaller property and then a bigger one, the most interesting part is that they're 10 minutes apart. And that has served me so well because really? unfortunately in the desert, there's uh, some factors, things that happen that we have no control over. Winds, uh, power outage, things of that nature. And so it has happened where I had a power outage in one of the specific neighborhood and I was able to move my guests ah, yes. to the bigger or I had guests that had booked the smaller house and then they ended up telling me, well, you know what? Uh, my friends are coming and I see that you have another property. Is it available? We would love to book it instead. So that strategies ha has served me so very well. But I think I have no regrets, but moving forward, like I said, my niche for my short-term rentals is just going to be to cater to couples so smaller properties on bigger lots with the amenities that. that are offered. And I want to just keep repeating this because it's working so well and I'm doing so great. I don't see that I should modify or try anything different because it's not a perfect product, but close to right. that I have down so I can repeat it in different environments. Yeah, exactly. No, I think you bring up a really good point, right? Which is like, Again, find like sort of this area that you know can be a little niche for you and it works, you know, again, for like multiple reasons. I like these, this idea of you building like these little love nests, these little love nests for people throughout America. And then you can get known for it, right? And then like, and I love this idea of using the social media. I hadn't heard about that before, but right, like, like creating accounts for your properties and having, I mean, because that's like, that's what we all love to do, right? Like, you know, we call it like the Zillow porn where you're just looking at beautiful houses. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I love this vision for you. Well, that's right. And then, and then to your point, you have all these real estate tips that you're out there giving people. All right. Hit me, Caroline. Hit, hit me. I'm, I'm slowly but surely building my, a, a very small real estate empire, but I'm very, I'm a newbie in this business. So I need all the, I need all the help I can get. 
what are some good, give me your, give me your top two, three tips. What do you think I should be doing? How can I build my business? I have a couple properties and then I have a primary. Okay. So I think you have to go out there. You have to, to find the market that you like or find the market that you actually love. I have such a deep passion for Joshua Tree. And so that's number one. Number two is as a host, my number one tip for either becoming a host or or, or, or be a better host is you want to be resourceful. If there's a problem, you want to address it. You want to give as many options as possible to your guest. And you want to respond in a very timely manner. You want to be on top of them. I have not received anything less than a five-star review on the communication and the surface that I offer because I have made it very personal to be very resourceful. And when you are a host, you want to have many cleaners, uh, phone numbers, somebody that can go right away if there's there's an issue or, or there's a, a guest that needs something specific, right? Uh, if you have hot tubs or pools, you want to have those numbers handy. You want to have multiple handyman's information, reliable ones. And, and that's really how you build up your pipeline. And yeah, having all these in hands have avoided a lot of issues, a lot of guests not being happy or even giving refunds. Because when you give refunds, I mean, that takes away from, from your revenue. So definitely you're on top of that. You want to know the area. I hear all the time, uh, oh, I just bought this property and I've never seen it. As a host, that's a big no-no. How are you going to, a lot of people, I get a lot of international traveler, people from out of state. A lot of Canadians travels to my properties, funny enough. Uh, Canadians attracting Canadians. It makes sense. (laughs) So you want to have a guide, you know, you want to stay at your house. And be like, okay, what's a good breakfast place? What's a good dinner place? What are some of the attractions you must do if you're at the house? So having all of that is just going to help you not only become a super host, but a a plus host as well, which is what I'm working towards too right now. (laughs) I love that. No, and I I love the passion, right? I think that's so important um, and, and certainly helps you you know, again, sell the destination, sell the property, right? You're like, this is, you're going to have an amazing experience here. And I'm, you know, and I'm here to help curate that for you. And then yes, the resourcefulness and the redundancy, like the backup on backup, right? You're like, not one handyman, Mariah, you need maybe two or three or four or five handyman and women. Like (laughs) the fastest to the property. That's why I have multiple. Ooh, I like that. It's kind of like Uber for handyman. You're like, who can get there first? Yeah. Yeah. That comes with the territory of being a host. Oh my gosh, I love this. I love this. Well, so you, I mean, you did mention, and I do have the same sort of stigma around California real estate and it just being crazy expensive, but how is it as a realtor out there right now? Is business, are people, are people buying? Are people selling? What's shaking? So it, all the markets are kind of like different right now. Funny enough, we're like in in like Orange and LA County, even Riverside. We're see, seeing bidding wars again. I was showing Paris oh to a client yesterday, and all the other houses we were trying to see, they're just flying off the shelves because 
there's a very small inventory of houses. Not, not a lot of people are selling their house because of the rates. But then I also work in the Joshua Tree area, cities like Yucca Valley, Joshua Tree, 29 Palms. That's actually a buyer's market right now. There's a lot of houses for sale. There's not a lot of buyers because the rates are higher again. So there's a lot of opportunity out there. I'm seeing like amazing properties right now. Amazing deals. Like properties where all of my buyers that are buying in Joshua Tree got their closing costs covered. Getting property with furniture, even hot tub. I'm opening escrow today with a client and she's buying a brand new construction in Joshua Tree. Wow. Uh, wow. And we negotiated the price because that's just the market. Buyers have leverage in this market. So, yeah, Southern California is crazy right now. It just depends what you're buying. <laughs> It sounds like the weather in Colorado, which is just very bipolar. It's raining one minute, it's sunny the next. You're like, I don't know. It's I. It's so hard. I mean, you know, folks need good realtors because you've got to know. You've got to know what market you're operating in, right? Like, did I underbid? You know, should I have gone higher? I mean, we've lost properties. You know, those heartbreaking moments where you're like, if only I just put 20000 extra into my offer or whatever. Oh, so, yeah, I, it's so important to have that pulse, which sounds like you certainly do. Folks, if anyone's in California needing a realtor, I think you, SoCal, you got your lady. Well, Caroline, this has been so much fun. I've gotten to, I've enjoyed so much getting to know a little bit more about your business strategy. You've got such great advice for folks. I would love to wrap up with a fun little game that I like to play. And then I want you to tell people how to get a hold of you in that order. So the game is who, what, and where. I make every guest play it and the rules are very loose. So we'll just, we'll just see how it goes. How does that sound? That sounds very fun. <laughs> all right. I like it. Um, all right, my friend. Besides yourself, who would you recommend people such as myself, the noobs, go to for advice on you know life or business or realty or short-term rentals? It can be broad. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, in that case, I have a lot of suggestions. <laughs> so right. when it comes Short-term rentals, someone that I wish I would have known two years ago was Avery Carl. She has the most amazing book out there. It's such an easy read and it's Love so that. complete. It's called uh, Short-Term Rental, Long-Term Wealth. And it's it's like $15 on Amazon. Right. It is a complete guide. Everything and anything you need for your short-term rental to get started or even if you're already a host. It's amazing. I wish, I wish I would have come across that. When it comes to real estate, anything real estate, I would say bigger pockets all day, every day. They have multiple uh, hosts on their podcast, a lot of different hosts on their YouTube. They share a whole lot about real estate and even, even I was just reading an article uh, about these new mortgage fees that you know, that just went through. But anyway, uh, incredible, incredible. You can hear them everywhere. Um, and then if it comes to women investing in real estate, which is something that means a lot to me as a realtor and Airbnb host, I get to help a lot of women invest and, and, and uh, move towards their financial freedom. I would say invest her podcast is amazing because 
I feel as a woman, I'm personally a mom, a wife, we have a lot on our plate and we are still out there investing and being business women. And I, uh, I feel so at home when I listen to them because they just talk about the reality of what it's like to be a woman uh, in 2023. Oh my gosh. I love that. I want to, I'm going to subscribe to that one right after this. Those were great ones. I, I agree with, I agree with all three of those. You passed that one. I'm going to give you an A plus on that first question. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. All right. You ready for the next one? It is a, sim- a sort of similar thread, but um, what? So what do you wish you knew then that you know now about being a woman investor, Airbnb host? You know what? The only limits that you have in your life is the one you set for yourself. Mm-hmm. I just recently, just this past weekend, I, I did my first bodybuilding uh, competition. Oh my God, congrats. <laughs> I lost 45 pounds to get on stage. And honestly, I have learned a lot. It has made me grow. And it made me realize that, you know what, ladies, we can do anything. I, you know, I have this sport, I invest in real estate, I'm a mom, we can be great in many different aspects. And don't let nobody tell you otherwise, because 99% of people will tell you no, tell you you can't do it. It's impossible. You know, that's too much, right? Stay in your lane. And please don't do that. If you have that itch in your heart, it is there for a reason. This is God's way of telling you, follow your dreams. Yes, sister. I love this. Oh, that is so good. You've, you've inspired me. I'm, I'm gonna go out. I don't know if I'm going to do bodybuilding, but I'm, I'm gonna go do something. I'm gonna do something that somebody's told me I ha- I can't do. Right? <laughs> Ooh, that was so good. I love it. All right. Well, again, a double A plus for that answer. Well, the last, the last one is just where if you could if you could hop in what I like to call the hot tub time machine and go back, would you have invested anywhere other than Joshua Tree? I mean, you've talked a lot about how you love Joshua Tree, but where else would you have invested? You know, that's the, always the question of real estate is like the one that got away, you know? You know, if I, as I mentioned when we first I started talking, if I could go back in time seven years ago when I first came to this country, I was living in Miami. I would buy out there. Smart. Because I know sooner or later I'm going to buy out there, but the prices have, oh my gosh, they are not what they were. <laughs> so I would start by buying there, even just a small condo. Totally. Like it doesn't need to be crazy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. You're right. I know. Well, it's always that, like, yeah, if we, I could have just figured that out. Like, I moved to New York in college and I was like, why didn't I convince my dad to just like, I'm sure he would have said no, but like in like Williamsburg, Brooklyn, for instance, right? Like just a little small something, like just a building, you know, and you would be sitting pretty. Oh my goodness. Well, again, Caroline, I've had so much fun talking to you. Where can people get more advice from you? Where should they go? Are you, you, you mentioned social. Tell me, tell me how people get a hold of you. Uh, in any platform, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, it's that realtor investor. The realtor investor. I like it. You're like ubiquity, baby. All of them. TikTok, you know, whatever. Carrier pigeons, smoke signals. And no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing. All right. Well, we'll definitely put all of that in the show notes. And again, Caroline, 
Yes, woman, I love this message you gave us. Um, You've inspired me today. I'm sure you are inspiring our listeners as well. So thank you so much for hopping into the STR Data Lab with me. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an honor. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you.